Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Well, today we're diving into a critical and all too familiar issue affecting athletes and active individuals, concussions. With an estimated 300,000 reported cases in Canada every year and a growing awareness about the long-term effects of repeated head injuries, it's essential to understand the risks associated with concussions and how to prevent them. A concussion is a type of traumatic brain injury that occurs when the brain is jolted or shaken inside the skull. Now this can happen as a result of a direct blow to the head or even just a hard jolt in the body that causes the head to move rapidly. Now concussions can range from mild to severe and symptoms can include headaches, dizziness, confusion, memory loss and even unconsciousness. In some cases the effects of a concussion can last for days, weeks, months or even a lifetime and can lead to a long-term impact on the individual's health and quality of life. So today we're going to not only talk about concussions but brain injuries as a whole and we have three great experts to join us. Our first guest is Cassandra Stockley, who's the coordinator of programs and services at the NL Brain Injury Association. Cassandra specializes in brain injuries, wellness, and advocating for her clients, and will tell us more about the NL Brain Injury Association and their upcoming fundraiser, which I'll be involved with. Next, we'll chat with Nick Mercer, who's a true champion and advocate for brain injuries and concussions. Now, Nick is the host and founder of the Concussion Talks podcast and is joining us today to share his personal story. Nick was involved in a biking accident in BC and was in a coma for over two weeks after suffering a severe brain injury. Now, despite a long road to recovery, Nick has become an advocate for brain injury and is dedicated to raising awareness around the importance of concussion safety. Our final guest is Ashley Hiscock. She's a certified athletic therapist with Premier Athletic Therapy and Sports Medicine, and she works with a variety of brain injury and concussion victims. She'll share her knowledge about the symptoms and effects of concussions, as well as tips for preventing and managing these injuries. We have a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Hi, Cassandra. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's always nice to have people that are experts and people that are representing the individuals we're talking about. Today, we're talking about concussions and brain injury. So can you tell me a little bit about your organization and what you guys do? Yeah, so I'm part of the Newfoundland Labrador Brain Injury Association, and we are a local nonprofit located here in St. John's, but we actually service the entire province. Um, we help provide supports to individuals who have suffered brain injury, as well as their friends and family. And we also educate the general public about brain injury, its effects, prevention, and those sort of things, because there's not a lot of general knowledge about the area, unfortunately. So we do our best to help with yeah, it's one of those things people can't prepare for. It's not something, you know, typically you see coming. It could be happening from an accident, things like that. What What's your role at the organization? Yes, I'm the coordinator of programs and services. I'm actually the only full-time staff at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I kind of help with individuals who have suffered a brain injury. I help kind of navigate the system for them because it's very overwhelming. Um, there are some services available, but um, not, not the amount that would be um, preferable, of course. So I kind of help individuals navigate through those and figure out what may be best. But we also have... Um, a support and recreation group called ABLE for brain injury survivors. Um, and we also do educational presentations and those things. Wow. Yeah, I, I guess it's such a broad variety of conditions that you guys would see on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, we're going to talk a lot about concussions today, but what other types of brain injuries do, do people come present with you guys and, and need some help with? 
Yeah, so we actually see a wide variety of different types of brain injury, concussion, which you've already mentioned. Uh, we also see aneurysms, strokes. Uh, there could be people who have been born with brain injuries due to different conditions, um, different infections, which lead to brain injuries. So it's really it's really a wide variety for sure. Mm -hmm. Does Guillain-Barre fall into that sort of category or is that a separate thing? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. We definitely don't limit anything yeah. here. Uh, we do our best to ensure we're inclusive. Um, mm -hmm. So any type of brain injury imaginable, mm -hmm. we do our best to help you out. Well, that's great. Since we've been introduced, I had an individual ask me today about uh, his partner who had uh, brain aneurysm. So it's nice to know those resources exist. And I think that's uh, that's that's an important aspect to understand is just how common different brain injuries are. Do you have any statistics uh, about Canada and how it relates? Yeah, so actually, uh, the statistics for Canada are extrapolated from um, United States studies because there isn't really much done. However, they look at our population and it's estimated that there's over one and a half million Canadians living with brain injury. Um, however, those statistics may not be entirely accurate as uh, it's not really studied here in Canada and it definitely should be because it would definitely help us out. Um, and in terms of things such as concussion, those aren't always diagnosed. Um, they can look at data from hospital rooms and that sort of thing. But if you're going to a doctor's office or if you're not even recognizing you have a concussion, those results aren't included. Hmm. So it's extremely common, I guess, you know, like it's something that uh, can, can occur from any number of things that happen in our day-to-day -day life from an accident. We're going to learn about Nick, how he was on a bike and, and injured himself that way. People get in car accidents, but it can also be genetic things, like you said, like aneurysm. So, uh, you know, you said you're the only full-time person there, but you guys have a pretty robust organization in that you've, you've got board members. Tell me who's involved with uh, making things work over there. Yeah, so we have a volunteer board of directors who are really awesome. We have a president, a vice president, treasurer, secretary, as well as some directors. And they kind of all steer the direction of where we're going as an organization. And um, we also have a group of volunteers who are mainly MUN students who are interested in brain injury. And they also help us out with our programs and initiatives. Mm-hmm. Can, are there any stories of people that really sort of stand out to you about how you guys have been able to assist them in navigating probably one of the most challenging times of their life? Yeah, for sure. Um, we actually have an ABLE program, which I already previously mentioned, that meets once a week on Thursday afternoons. And I've gotten to know those participants fairly well. Um, the majority that are coming now have been coming since June of last year. Uh, that's kind of when we started getting things back up and rolling after COVID kind of put a little bit of damper on everything. Um, and those participants, just seeing them week in and week out, are always so happy to come here. So it's always nice to see an individual and their growth over time and how happy they are for something as simple as participating in a craft once a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, community is such an important thing. I think we all saw what happened to us during the pandemic when we were removed from one another. And imagine throwing a complex condition like a brain injury on top of it. I can see why that's such a valuable tool. You know, and that's one of the things is that you guys are a nonprofit. So you guys, you know, are, are benefiting from fundraising activities and charitable donations. You guys have a dinner dance coming up. Tell me a bit about that. Yes, so we're having a fundraising dinner and dance on February 10th at the Legion on Blackmarsh Road. And we're hoping that we will be able to raise enough funds to help us continue with our programs and services because there's so many gaps in the healthcare system. We wanna help bridge those. 
So tickets are $60 each, or you can get a table of eight for $450. We have dinner entertainment. We have a guest speaker, which is actually you. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, and we also have some dance music, silent auction, and a 50-50 draw. So we're hoping it's going to be a fun night. Yeah, it will be. I'm really looking forward to it. So it's going to be it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, I got a nice little chat lined up for everybody. So it should be nice to see folks get out, be a little bit social and uh, have a good time while we raise money for a really great cause. And before we go, can you tell me how people can get those tickets? Oh, yes, of course. So they can reach out to us via email at info at nlbia.ca or they can call our office at 709-221-1288. Sandra, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for sharing so much about your organization. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's Cassandra Stockley from the NL Brain Injury Association. When we come back, we'll chat with Nick Mercer, who's the host of the Concussion Talks podcast about his story and his show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with Nick Mercer, who's a true champion and advocate for brain injury awareness. Now, Nick is the host and founder of the Concussion Talks podcast and is joining us today to share his personal story. Nick was involved in a biking accident in BC and was in a coma for two weeks after suffering a severe brain injury. Despite a long road to recovery, Nick has become an advocate for brain injury and is dedicated to raising awareness around the importance of concussion safety. Let's check it out. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, it was great talking to you on my on my podcast just then. So I know why wouldn't we? Uh, why wouldn't we both have each other on? I yeah, guess it's great. This is awesome. So well, you know what? I get the easier job this time because yeah, exactly. I, I get to ask the questions. The guy get to play host to the host himself, which is kind of a, a probably a different role for you in yeah. a lot of ways. Well, uh, I've, I've, I've done it a few times, but again, not much. Like this, this is this is fun. This is more fun to do than on this side. Wicked. Well, that's what I was hoping we could talk about today. So I'm going to be speaking at the Brain Injury Association dinner coming up. Yeah, it was a sure. perfect time to talk about, you know, brain injury, concussions, things like that. You have a podcast dedicated to this. Tell me uh, a bit about your podcast. And then maybe after that, we can talk a little bit about your story. Well, kind of, kind of, actually kind of almost melted into one, but uh, mm -hmm. my podcast came from in 2010. I moved back here. So I started a blog and then that I had that for five years. So 2010, almost exactly five years, 2010 till 2015. Then 2015, I started podcast are pretty cool. Just do that. So mm -hmm. that's why I started the podcast. And uh, yeah. And it's just like, it's called it concussion doc from just from my, just from my blog started off writing, actually not talking, just yeah, it's really worked out, worked out well, those talks. That's great. Well, that's the thing. And you've talked a lot. There's been lots yeah. of stories on you over the years about, you know, the traumatic accident that occurred for you. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that story and maybe a little bit of a lead up because you were a really high level athlete as well at the time too, right? Well, I don't know what high level athlete, but I was, I, was, I, I tried to, I tried to stay fit. That's it. Yeah. Um, I played water polo from the age of 13 until 22. I didn't really stop, stop. I paused, I guess. I want to try something, I want to try something new, but uh, and then I took a triathlon in January 03. But uh, but before that, after I graduated from university, you know, too, I I did uh, I, two friends and I biked across Canada and uh, we just 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 one day we decided to be we were watching summer, summertime, we were watching tour friends, we were like, 
one says they're toward the handle. We're like, yeah, let's try it. So he just just as he decided to try it. He said, we got to do, we'll try it. So when so that was in 2000, we said that. Then by in 02, when we graduated, we decided to get a shot. And uh, I decided to try triathlon when I went to BC because I went to the Masters, Masters degree at UVic. So I went to BC and done Masters and uh, in public administration. And so I was uh, out there and I started to do time to triathlon. So I was doing that. And then in that summer of 03, so starting I really May, we started doing these one of these Friday morning, Friday morning rides because late May we also started doing these uh, swim practices, swim practices outside at a lake near in Victoria, Jesus Lake. So that day, that was actually a forest fire in BC because you know BC, I see in 03 was really dry, so there's tons of forest fires, and uh, so we went to a different ride that time that morning, and uh, I was going downhill, and I was going really. I, I see it probably, probably like 70 years on the other sick year. Going pretty fast. And uh had a helmet on. But now I didn't have a helmet, I'd be dead. But I started to avoid someone to hit a tree with my helmet in my head. And if they came had not a helmet, then I'd be toast. So, you know, helmet was important. And uh, and uh, I ended up in a coma for two weeks. Wow. And uh and I spent one month in hospital, five months in inpatient. Rehab at the Mills Miller Center here in St. John's, mm-hmm. and uh, then just more time recovering rehab physio and outpatient physio, and uh, and doing other uh, swimming and doing and working out and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was all very important. And uh, yeah, and I'm not I'm nowhere near where I was, but like I'm like I said, I told you with last August, I'm happy where I am. Like I'm just, I'm proving pre- I'm not best shape ever, but I'm. I'm 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 feeling fit and I'm I just I just came swimming and I do yoga and I walk a lot and Wicked. swim when I can and so I love it. Well, I think yeah. that's I think that's part of it. I mean, you know, when you first got injured, you probably weren't sure what your outlook was going to be like. What were people telling you versus what did you think was possible? It must have been a really challenging experience like that I could never even fathom. But how did you know? Yeah. How did that it go down? Was, it was it was difficult, but it was also difficult just. People didn't tell me much. Doctors were talking more wisely to my parents and my, you know, sister and you know, that girl host me who actually understand it because I was just you know, just out of a coma and I was on all sorts of like, I don't know, morphine or whatever, but I was on all sorts of drugs and stuff. So I was like, I was in space. I know I couldn't tell you if, well, my first memory was of a coma, for example. Like I just remember stuff randomly, whether on. But I had dreams in a coma, but I guess I didn't have dreams in my coma. I had dreams after my coma, but uh, my parents were told that I would be, I'd be a vegetable, um, that I would never walk in. There's a 50 50 chance of me, of me surviving. And, uh, because they you don't know, coma is not whether or not it's medically induced or not, just, you know, it's in, a, it's in a dire straits there. So I was in that. And, uh, when I got to Mother Center, Remember a nurse just being really nice, just came in and talking to her, saying, You'll walk out of here, at least, at least, not go, you know, it's all positive for things. Like, yeah, maybe, sure. maybe at the walk, we had the walker, and then, but maybe you'll walk out. And I was like, Then I got really depressed. I was like, I'm never going to walk like alone again. I was like, got really, got really, really sad. I remember that that night. I was like, I called my parents at like later, not like late, late, but like it was like after visiting hours, like after yeah. visiting hours, but like, yeah, guess 15 hours. And uh, 
I had a good support network who was just saying, oh, don't worry about that, don't worry about that, and you're, right. you'll, be, you'll be okay. She's just being nice, or he's just being nice, and he says that, or just trying to be helpful. And uh, then if I stick with it, yeah. Yeah. You, but you need time to actually heal stuff. I guess, so, was that one of the motivations that you had when you you know started to do these things? And this is one of the things I talked about in your podcast was that you had this physical literacy, you had this athleticism about yourself yeah. that you knew how to do different things with your body. When you started to see some of that function restoring over time, was that was what yeah. helped you kind of bring yourself out of that? And how important was I, it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually like, I think we're saying, because I got like just so much, I can understand what it is. I feel it's a physio's. And OTs to a point, but in the Mars, Mars and I physios were telling me about what to move and how to move it and what to do here. And, and not those necessarily copied terms they're using, but like medical terms, they're just being this like, use this, move this arm and balance this way. And I could understand what they're getting at. And, like, and also, I, I did biology, so I kind of, that's my, my guys in biology, so I understood the. The actual mechanics and the actual physiology of it a bit more, but still, yeah. but also by my physical literacy of being on the bike and swimming, really know how your body is, where your body's in the space. The proprioception is was so it was, was so good then, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, and it does like when I when I when the physio would say do this or do this, and I did it, and I, and I can move, and I felt like, and they were like, oh, you know, last time you did this happened, and, and this time you're, you're doing better. For ball reason, for whatever reason, and uh, that would make me. I would just that would really inspire, get inspire me. I guess and yeah. it take me on to do more, just to challenge, challenge myself more, and just what I can do and where I where I can go. And and even if it wasn't going with running or recycling again or swimming properly again, I could at least at least was encouraged by the fact that I could move a certain way and it was better than it was. Like just even like a week before, you know, a week before, I was just, oh, this is better today. It's better, and uh, and that's encouraging because you know that stepwise, just it will get better. Well, yeah, it sounds like you've been able to regain a good majority of your physical function back. Obviously, your yeah. cognitive function is back. You've got your radio show or your podcast as well. So you know you've been able to really get through that. If somebody is listening to this and they're either somebody who has uh, had a brain injury or somebody who's part of a, a social network or family members have one what advice would you give them about you know the recovery process and and what's possible recovery process the band most of the recovery process is although i'm talking about like stepwise improvements there's not it's not a stepwise process so like you have bad good days and bad days and necessarily just because you went up like you improved to to improve they make like noticeable improvements for like three weeks in a row with you know Get nothing for you know two months or a month or whatever. That's not the end of the world. It's like that's what that's what happens. Like you're not gonna always if you just always get better every single time you do it, then no one should be anything. It'd be all injuries be the same, just be oh you just do this, you do this, and you just stepwise go up. But brain injuries obviously one is a tricky one too because it's so many different symptoms and so many different uh signs of it that are it's just but yeah, I would say most important thing to remember is that it's not stepwise. It's just because you're, it's not as soon as you're always going to, it's not one single trajectory. So you may plateau or you may even feel like you're, and by plateauing for a bit, you feel like you're going down, feel like you're 
you're actually you're not you're maybe not but you're just like you feel like you are because you're because you were expecting improvements and you were improving and then you're not and you feel like oh well then it's not for one you feel like you're failure to hear it so uh it is a struggle it's not like i'm not trying to i'm not sure go and say oh it's everything's gonna be okay because sometimes some some functions are not gonna come back with the way you anticipate but you know you still like you're still your life and you're still like there's still so much you can do it's just like even limited even for you i mean how much i know it depends on how how much you expect but uh yeah that's not that you shouldn't expect anything because that's you know out of your life and you know that's that's sad i'm trying to get my head in the picture yeah uh, it's, it's all different yeah it's all different too like so okay so one of the things you've done is you've made a significant difference you've you've been an advocate for increasing education for helping people navigate things to becoming an expert in in reaching out and and having you've had over a, well over a hundred episodes of your podcast. Yeah. How how has being an advocate helped you, and how do you think it's helped the people that listen to what you do? Because that has to mean a lot to you. you I think it would at least. It it, it does it really does. I mean, because it's hard to say. I, don't, I know I know I reach a lot of people. Obviously, I get a lot of saying like. Oh, you know, it's great. It's a, thank you so much for doing this. It was also great to hear when I suggest or I or someone says, oh, someone someone wrote me while well, from like Ohio, I think there's I mean uh, that thank her for she's she's an she's an OT or psychology, no social work community, it's not that social work OT. And uh she got so many connections out of listening to my podcast, so many people that so she's good that even even if for 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 brain for people for anyone's had a question or brainy then give them their hear the stories about positive influences or just or even just I I I, I I I into a lot of like scientists and uh, research and athletes and not many athletes but research and stuff and that so it may not be stories that they that they actually want to find 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 soothing but uh the, the idea that there are people looking to improve this and and that and that there are different different aspects and that people can like I said that person was trying to that said to who said she found a lot of contacts. That's another thing like people who, who aren't necessarily even ranger mm-hmm. find good good help from just connecting with people and improving the lives of ranger people through their real own research and through expanding their 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 reach and their yeah research i guess well you said it right i mean i'm sure a lot of people listening to this are health professionals for example and so they're dealing with people with brain injuries or concussions uh nurses physiotherapists ot's researchers family members people that had these injuries themselves and so you know i really appreciate what you do and i really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to join us today on the show and uh and for sharing your story and also for helping coordinate our other guests uh that are expert in this so uh you know much appreciated and i'm sure i'll see you back here again soon oh, no thank you. and thank you and i'll be i'll be actually introducing introducing you next friday perfect so i will definitely talk to you and this was great so and thank you so much again for being on my show so uh, uh yes thank talk you soon. take care Well, that was Nick Mercer. When we come back, we'll chat with Ashley Hiscock from Premier Athletic Therapy and Sports Medicine. Now, she's a certified athletic therapist who works with brain injury and concussion victims. She'll share her knowledge about the symptoms and effects of concussions, as well as tips for preventing and managing these injuries. We'll be right back after the break.
Welcome back. We're here with Ashley Hiscock from Premier Athletic Therapy and Sports Medicine. She's a certified athletic therapist who works with brain injury and concussion victims. She's sharing her knowledge about the symptoms and effects of concussions, as well as tips for preventing and managing these injuries. Let's check it out. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is great. Well, it's great to talk to somebody like yourself. You are an expert athletic therapist. You have your own practice. And, you know, we're going to talk about concussions today. And, uh, you know, when I think about concussions, I think about athletes these days and all the injuries, but there's also brain injuries that can occur from different events. You know, maybe you can give me a bit of a background in what a concussion is and start right from the ground. Absolutely. So uh, a concussion is actually uh, a mild traumatic brain injury, which takes place when there's a biomechanical force uh, applied or received, I guess, to uh, the head, face or neck directly. And then you have your indirect forces, which, you know, maybe you've gotten a hit, like maybe you're a football player, you've been hit in the shoulder, but your neck, uh, neck and head kind of make a, a snapping motion. And then you have that whiplash mechanism, which can result in a concussion as well. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to be directly to your, to your head. You don't have to hit your head, which a lot of people think that you do, but it, it can happen via indirect or direct uh, forces. Well, maybe we could talk a tiny bit about anatomy on this and like how the brain sits in the head and why it can move around and bang against the skull and all these different things that can cause a concussion. Because I think for a lot of people, we don't realize that, you know, that's kind of like floating around in there kind of. It is. Yeah. So you have your skull, which is obviously, you know, a rigid uh, tissue in your body uh, and your brain sits inside of there, but it's kind of suspended. So you have the cerebrospinal fluid that's kind of cushioning uh, the space between your your brain and your skull. And of course, it's not a large space, uh, but it's just big enough that, you know, if your head is moving around, that your that your brain is, I always say sloshing around. It's not sloshing around, but it, it has that minor bit of movement between that space and your skull. And so when you get those, those movements or sometimes those twisting movements, it's, if it's rotational, uh, then you have this very microscopic damage to the axons of the, of the brain that make up the brain. Uh, and that's where you get these uh, concussion symptoms. Right. Okay. So when I think about, you know, that, that sounds like a lot of people get hit their head and and bang their head. And I think a lot of people have heard of having concussions. How common is it? And, and, you know, how many people do you see coming through your doors with minor or serious concussions? Uh, I think it's probably a lot more common than people realize. I think once you start educating people in how they happen and then how, uh, how they feel or the symptoms that they're having, people are often like, geez, I wonder how many I had throughout my life and didn't even realize mm-hmm. that I had them. So, um, you know, in my, not my past life, but in part of my practice, I do some strength training for people who have been involved in motor vehicle accidents as well. And so often I ask them, you know, have you been diagnosed with a concussion if they've been, you know, rear-ended and had a whiplash mechanism? And they often say like, no, I, I wasn't diagnosed, but then I'll kind of ask them, you know, do you have these symptoms or those symptoms? And, you know, I'm, I'm not able to diagnose people with conditions, but I'll often say, you know, I suspect that you probably did sustain a concussion. And so therefore I'm going to treat it. And, you know, there's, sometimes there's no special treatment for that. It just comes along with the rest of their rehab, but it's not something that they realized would have been possible. You know, often Mm -hmm. that first, the first thing they say is like, well, I didn't hit my head. And so going back to that first, you know, question that we discussed, it's like, well, you don't, you don't have to. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's just lack of education. Yeah. Well, and you said some things that were really important. I think we should cover those right now. And that was that, you know, they didn't recognize the signs and the symptoms. So why don't you walk us through some of these common signs and symptoms? So if anybody's listening, they might be able to recognize them themselves or others. 
for sure. So right now, as it stands, there's about 21, 22 different signs and symptoms that people can um, experience when it comes to concussion. So it's not always straightforward. Uh, the most common ones I'll see are headache, of course, uh, along with, you know, some dizziness. You can also be sensitive to light, sensitive to noise. Some people will have a, a ring in their ears or, or tinnitus. Um you know, some people, it really affects their emotions. So they become more irritable. They become more sad, more depressed. Um, and then some people, it really affects their sleep. And some people really have a hard time describing it and will just often say, like, I just don't feel right. There's something not right. I don't have any of those other symptoms and I can't describe what it is, but there's something just not quite right. Mm. And so that's where it gets a bit tricky, you know, especially if they didn't sustain a hit to their head or they don't recognize that maybe they had a, a whiplash mechanism or a rotational force throughout their head. So really having a good set of questions and knowing what you're looking for and recognizing that not feeling right can fit into that, mm. uh, that symptomology. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And and you said earlier that, you know, it is a minor form of, of uh, brain injury. So, mm -hmm. you know, can the brain heal from these? Like you said, there's a rehab process, but like, how does that work and how long does it take? What the research is showing is, you know, the brain can heal between these incidents, but it's, it's also really important to allow the brain to heal between those those injuries, hopefully you never have multiple concussions, but if you do, as long as there's healing happening in between and, it, and that, re that issue resolves, it's not as significant. Just like if you, you know, sprained your ankle, mm -hmm. it's much worse if you are in the middle of your rehab for an ankle sprain and then you tend to do it again. You're like, oh, I'm back to square one and maybe worse off. Um, same thing with the brain. So um, it's, you know, the, the quickest return to play, as I call it, for a, a a concussion is going to be about a week mm -hmm. and that's getting back from doing what you were doing and doing it to a hundred percent. Some people will take longer. Some, some people may feel much better within a couple of days. Most, uh, most concussions will resolve on their own within seven to 10 days. That's kind of the natural resolution for, for those injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course everyone's different. So we look at about a week, okay. but typically maybe a few days, few, yeah. few days longer. Yeah. Okay. So there must, is there different levels or grades of concussion? And, you know, at what point should somebody think about going and getting medical treatment instead of, uh, you know, trying to walk it off basically? Yeah. The experts in concussion now have kind of done away with the grading of concussions. Um, you know, you still, you look at things that, you know, if someone was knocked out, you know, if, if something functionally was disrupted that badly, uh, I personally tend to put that in a bit of a different um, category that's a little, little more serious. You know, if, if everything shut down for a second or a couple of minutes, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's more serious. Most people aren't losing consciousness, thank goodness, uh, with a concussion. So for most people, like I said, the typical resolution time will be about seven to 10 days. If somebody is starting to experience symptoms uh, for longer than that, that's usually when I would recommend they see somebody, whether that's an athletic therapist like myself or somebody else who's, you know, well-versed in concussion rehab and return to play. Uh, that's usually that time frame that you want to look at. In children, it can be a little bit longer. So the recommended guidelines are that um, in kids younger than 14 years old, that will typically resolve in about 30 days. Okay. So you know, the education piece is big there. So if, you know, if you have a parent who's obviously very concerned about their child, you have to kind of, you know, let them know that a month is a pretty typical 
pretty typical waiting time. Um, and for adults, it's a little less so. And you're hoping for that early resolution and that things kind of resolve on their own. But it's when things start to linger that that I usually recommend stepping in. Hmm. And yeah, and you, you know, you basically said that, you know, you need to seek out somebody who's specialized in this. So I think the first thing before we give any advice whatsoever is to clarify that, you know, seeing somebody who's an expert in this, if you are suffering from a concussion or a medical condition of any sort is always the most important thing. But if you were mm -hmm. to walk me through how the recovery process would happen or what you would do for somebody for rehabilitating them, whether that be an athlete or somebody got a motor vehicle accident, how would that look and what would, what would occur? Um, typically what I like to do is um, we have a, a tool is called a sport concussion assessment tool. And those are updated every four to five years, just with like the newest research and, and what you should be looking for. So I'll usually do that questionnaire. It involves, you know, a symptom, a list of symptoms, as well as the severity of the symptoms. So you're looking uh, hopefully to see that those symptoms are resolving with time. So I'll ask those questions. There's also some simple like memory and cognitive tests on, on that as well that you ask. And I like to do them. Sometimes we do them as baseline tests for people who are involved in contact sports. So you kind of mm -hmm. have a baseline of, of what they can do. Some people historically do really terribly on those tests. Right. Uh, so you don't want to assume that if they have a suspected head injury, that it's terrible because of that head injury, they may have been really bad at it beforehand. So you right. try not try not to put too much faith in those. Um, but it is a nice reference to have. Um, but you know, testing out uh, concentration, memory, testing balance, making sure people can track with their eyes without it causing like double vision or much more serious symptoms, and then. Do, doing some like delayed memory recall. So asking them a question earlier in the test and then re-asking that question later to see if they're able to, to recall, you know, five to seven minutes later versus, you know, in the moment when you ask them earlier. Yeah. So that's typically how I start out with the concussion uh, assessments that I do. And then I'll also evaluate their neck. Um, if not going down further through the spine, but uh, especially for those people who've had a whiplash mechanism or uh, some sort of, you know, tackle or force through their body where their head kind of got tossed around a little bit. I uh, just want to make sure that their neck is working appropriately as well, because some, you know, some concussion symptoms are also similar to uh, cervicogenic symptoms. So if mm. people have really tight muscles in their neck, then sometimes that can cause a headache. Maybe it's not a concussion at all. And so that's where you, want, you really wanna be careful that you're not saying, well, you actually have a concussion when that's not true or completely ignoring their neck when that's the source of their symptoms. We're here with Ashley Hiscock from Premier Athletic Therapy and Sports Medicine. She's a certified athletic therapist who works with brain injury and concussion victims. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, we're here with Ashley Hiscock from Premier Athletic Therapy and Sports Medicine. She's a certified athletic therapist who works with brain injury and concussion victims. She's sharing her knowledge about the symptoms and effects of concussions, as well as tips for preventing and managing these injuries. Let's check it out. I guess one of the things that would be common for a lot of people is we think about some of our favorite athletes that have had several concussions. And you think about what's happened with American football, for example, with people's brains, you know, maybe you could talk about what happens when we've had these repetitive concussions and why that can hold a risk for us. Well, like I said earlier, you know, you really want to respect the healing time of the brain in those situations. So I think the other contributing factor to some of these concussions are if you're looking at sub concussive forces. And so the research 
I don't want to say is like completely out on this, but it's, it's more difficult to evaluate. So you have people who play football in the United States from the time that they're probably three years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think it's changing a little bit. Now the culture is changing. We know that football causes long-term brain injuries uh, and much more serious, honestly, than concussions. When you look at CTE and, you know, the wild things, uh, unfortunately, that that can make you do. So in earlier years, like those three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds were tackling each other, just like professional football players are tackling each other. So you look at all of those forces where nobody was injured at the time, but you add them up over the course of a month. And then you're probably looking at like hundreds of sub uh, sub concussive forces and they add up over time. So you have people or I've seen people who are soccer players and they head the ball and they say, you know what, after X number of times doing that in a game, I have to stop because I'm starting to feel you know, not good, whether I'm getting a headache, but, you know, the force of the ball, the ball's pretty light, but that force, that, that repetitive force of the ball striking their head starts to bother them. So that force is adding up even over the course of a 90 minute soccer game. And so, like I said, to me, CTE is much scarier than a concussion because, uh, you know, you're not picking up on CTE early and you're not, you you can't look at it until that person unfortunately has passed away and you can examine their brain. Um, So, you know, you want to, you want to deal with these things early uh, as early as possible and make sure that you can help resolve them as, as best you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We can go down that rabbit hole of that, but uh, essentially I heard the story of how that was first discovered from a family member who did an autopsy and requested the body back. And then they started Mm -hmm. to request it from all the uh, football players that died at an early age or had challenges through life. So uh, yes, very, very troubling uh, conditions that can happen with that. So if we look at what concussions are, we know that we can't avoid necessarily a car accident because this is an accident or some of these concussive uh, forces, but what can people do to protect their brain to make sure that they're not putting themselves at increased risk in case something happens? I know, for example, Nick was wearing a helmet when he got his accident. Like, What, what would you recommend for people? For sure. And I think in those high contact sports like hockey, football, obviously a helmet is, you know, imperative at this point. And, you know, back when even in the 90s, you were still seeing hockey players who were grandfathered into not having to wear their helmet, uh, which is insane to think about now. Um, Realistically, uh, the way I look at it is that a helmet protects your skull. So it's going to protect you from, you know, taking a puck to the head and, you know, lacerating your scalp, which is a, you know, really easy bleeder. So taking care of that. Unfortunately, a helmet's not going to stop your brain from having that movement inside of your skull. So that's where a lot of people and, you know, they'll say, well, I was wearing a helmet. It's like, right. But unfortunately, that movement still occurs within your head. So while it's great that you're wearing your helmet and you should continue to do so, uh, that's that's eliminating a certain type of injury. And unfortunately, concussion is likely not one of them. Mm-hmm. I know a few years ago, uh, research into, you know, creating a concussion helmet was really big. And, you know, there were certain models that I had heard of that I was like, that actually sounds amazing and, and probably would stop that movement to some extent. I don't know if it's ever going to be possible to stop it altogether, mm-hmm. um, but really interesting stuff. Um, the other thing is uh, it's, it's more common. I think, I believe concussions are more common in uh, women. And so mm-hmm. they don't exactly know, but they have mentioned like neck circumference, I believe, or neck strength. And maybe those go hand in hand as perhaps why that's happening. So again, if you look at that whiplash mechanism mm-hmm. and if women typically have a smaller neck and therefore smaller musculature, um, you know, is 
is a lack of neck strength uh, contributing mm-hmm. to their uh, likelihood of sustaining a concussion, which I find really interesting. So, you know, obviously you can't condition your brain to take higher forces, mm-hmm. um, but it it's a, a matter of perhaps just keeping your body strong and specifically, you know, keeping your neck strong so that if if something does happen, that your muscles and, you know, kind of soften that blow, if so to speak. That makes perfect sense to me. That makes perfect sense. So if somebody's listening, obviously you're well-versed in the topic, this is what you do. If they need some help, how can they reach out to you in your clinic? Yeah, so I work at Premier Athletic Therapy and Sports Medicine, which is located in the West End of St. John's. And I am also on, we're also on social media, so Facebook and Instagram. I have a, a, a professional Instagram account for myself, and it's um, the Upside Down AT, so really into gymnastics and <laughs> upside down sports. So that's what I do. Um, but yeah, so reaching out through social media or giving us a call can get you an appointment to see myself. It's fantastic. That's great. And, you know, as we're winding down here, is there anything you'd like to leave people with on this topic and closing remarks? I guess, I guess the biggest thing for me is education. So concussions are like any other injury. And if you take care of them, they do get better. As long as you seek out the right information and that's not always easy to find, you know, again, ideally you don't get multiple concussions, just like you don't break your leg multiple times. But if you do and you take care of it, uh, life can be normal. Good. Well, that's great to hear. And, you know, that I, I appreciate you and you uh, saying, you know, finding the right information, which is why it's so great you could be here today as an expert to be able to share what we need to know. So, so thanks for joining me. And uh, maybe I'll see you at the Brain Injury Association dinner. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you to my guests for joining me today. I hope that you learned something new and gained a deeper understanding of the challenges and impacts that brain injury conditions can have on individuals and their families. Now, if you or someone you know is affected by brain injury or concussion, remember that there's help and support available through the NL Brain Injury Association. Also remember, if you want to support a great cause and have a fun time, they have a charity dinner next weekend, and you can reach out to them on their website to get more information. Well, that's our show this week. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.